I'd like to start out with a reading of Scripture out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, the parable of the two builders. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does to them and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell and great was its fall. The title of my message this evening is The Wise Builder. I would submit to you as we get started that all of us are builders to one degree or another. If I went around and asked everyone, do you consider yourself a builder? Many of us would probably say no, not see ourselves that way. But I aim to change our perception of that this evening because I believe God aims to change our perception of that. Many of us are building things each and every day as we go about the life that God has called us to live. We're building in businesses, whether we own a business or whether we're helping to build a business. We're building in our church. Uh, We're building a clientele base if we're in the sales profession. We're building a profit. We're building a reputation. We're building influence. We're building relationships. We're building families. We're building careers. We're building neighborhoods. We're building communities. And we're building economies. So many things are being built just by the fact that you live out your life each and every day the way that you do. In some way, shape, or another, things are being built, good or bad. In this scripture where God talks to us about the parable of the two builders, and he talks about building your house on the rock, it's important to understand that the rock is Jesus Christ. It is the revelation of who Christ is and who we are in Christ. And with that revelation and that understanding that we can build anything that God would have us to do. The house that we are building that's being built in this parable, it represents anything you are building for God, whether you're building a business for God, whether you're building a family, or, or in the largest sense, I would say, it's building a life, building your life all the way up until the time you go to be with God, building it upon the rock. The rain that comes that washes away the house that's built on the sand. Rain, take note, comes from heaven. It's poured out, it's refreshing, and it's purifying. And even though damage can be done as a result of the rain coming down, when it subsides, what's left is purification. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 13 through 14, drawing a a parallel here to this parable, and God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. He goes on to talk about how, how he's to make the ark. Noah begins to build the ark, and the floods came, And they washed away mankind, all the evil, all the desolation that was upon the earth. God just did away with it. And what was left was Noah, was his family, and all the animals that he brought on that boat. And the floods came from heaven. And God really showed me, he said, you know, when Noah built the ark, 
He, he built it on the rock. You say, well, how is that so? Right? He didn't build the ark on a piece of rock. Well, he built the ark based upon the words God spoke. God spoke to him, and he said, build it. And Noah built it upon the understanding that that was what God has instructed him to do. And the word of God that is spoken is the rock. If you research the, the Bible, and as Pastor Rick has taught us, that before Christ came in the Old Testament, when it says the word, the word represents Jesus Christ. He's known as the word. So the word was spoken by God to Noah, and based upon that word, Noah built the ark. He built it on the rock. The floods came, and what did it do? It stood firm, right? And it survived the purification process. In Isaiah 26, verses 3 through 5, the Bible tells us, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord, meaning Yahweh, is everlasting strength. Now, everlasting strength is actually interpreted literally as rock of ages. So, as we build upon this rock, the revelation and the understanding of who Christ is, the Word, as we build upon that rock, he is our everlasting strength or the, the security, the foundation that will survive all tests of time, all through the ages. He who is, whose mind is fixed on God always as he builds, that is he who's, who is building upon the rock. If you're not aiming to build whatever it is that you're after, business, family, any endeavor, if you're not doing it for God and doing it as if you're trying to accomplish what God wants you to accomplish through that thing, then you're not building it upon the rock. You're building it on the sand. You're building out of man's wishes or man's pursuits. You know, that rock of ages scripture is a famous scripture. There was a guy uh, in the late 1700s named Augustus Tapaldi. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but he wrote the hymn that became very famous called Rock of Ages, and he wrote that hymn when he was taking refuge in the cleft of a rock while there was a violent storm that was going on outside. Our worship team probably all knows that, right? I just find that interesting that he takes security in this rock, much like Moses was taking security and refuge in the cleft of the rock whenever God's glory was passing over him. Something about the rock symbolizes for us security, solitude, fortress, lasting through the ages, any test or any trial or any tribulation that would ever come. The storms of life will come against you. There is absolutely no doubt about that. You know, the, the house that was built on the sand, if there were never a thing, such thing as a storm or as the rain, from heaven, that although damage is done, it's meant to purify us and help us, which are the tests in life that are sent our way to sharpen us and make us stronger. If none of those things existed, maybe the house on the sand would just be okay, but that's just not reality. The house must be built on the rock if it's going to survive the tests of time. You know, you think about even a lot of the amazing things that were birthed in the Bible that happened 
They, were, they, were, they took place while one of the great characters in the Old Testament was standing on a rock. Mountains, right? Mountains are, are almost all rock. Moses was on Mount Sinai when the Lord gave him the, the New Testament, the law. Abraham was on Mount Moriah when his faith was perfected in his test to sacrifice Isaac. Elijah was out, was out on Mount Carmel whenever the prophets of Baal were about ready to take over and the people of Israel were about ready to leave their, the Lord their God and start following other idols. And God changed that. He showed up with fire. Lord God or Lord Jesus was crucified on Mount Calvary and he ascended to heaven off of Mount Olivet. The rock is very key in Scripture. Everywhere you look from Old Testament to New Testament, God is screaming at us and telling us to build upon the rock. Whatever it is that you build, you will, it will be sent tests and trials. And if it's not standing on the rock, it is not going to survive. It will be washed away. But if it's on the rock, the rains that come, the, the storms that come, although damage may be done, although you may be adversely affected in your life to some degree, by all noticeable means, there will be a purification and a refreshing that takes place within your spirit that maybe you don't even fully understand, but that God fully intended to happen. Knowing that if you were built on the rock, standing on the rock, you would survive and you would not be washed away. So we build a strong foundation. That was kind of the first part. I broke this up into three segments. The first, building a solid foundation. The second, which we're going to get into now, is building with integrity. And then the third thing will be building with endurance. As we build with integrity, integrity means solid and whole throughout, right? Maintaining its composition, never changing no matter what comes against it. Sounds a little bit like the, the house that was built upon the rock. The first thing that we are to understand, and there's so many things that we could talk about with this kind of a subject, but the first thing that just comes on my heart is that we are to understand we are building something with everyone God puts in our path. That there is always something that is established that God can use, even if for a moment of time when we are introduced and connected to other people that God has created. And people even in the church, can get really off track with the way that with we look at people, thinking that if somebody appears a certain way or we can maybe see the way that it benefits us, then it's, it's easy to want to pursue that interaction or to, to treat that person the way we feel God wants us to treat them. But in James 1.27, put that up there, it says, pure and undefiled religion before God and their father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now, I, I know there's an underlying message there for us about widows and orphans. That's very clear. But I also think it speaks louder to us today. I think that it's saying, you know, widows and orphans were basically those folks that couldn't help themselves. Those were the folks that, you know, for the most part, probably couldn't offer anything in return to someone that would reach a, lend a helping hand out to them. And there are a lot of people in this world that by appearance 
are like that in your life or that you will come in contact with. Hundreds, maybe thousands over the course of your life that God will put in your path as you walk this earth. And we'll, maybe, they don't, maybe they look like widows and orphans. As somebody that can't help you build your business, isn't going to really help grow your church, or maybe isn't going to contribute to what your family is going through. I don't know, but I, I, I think you get the point that it's not about what they can do or contribute or how it positively affects you. Anything you do, if you do it unto the Lord, God smiles upon it, right? What this also helps us to do is keep a proper view of ourselves. It helps us as we realize that we are to treat everyone God puts in our path as if there's something being built and established. Make no mistake, there are many folks that you will come back across the path of later on in life at some point or another. And it's really amazing how God orchestrates and sets those things up. So we obviously want to treat everybody the way we know that they're supposed to be treated. But as we do that, it helps us to have a proper view of ourselves in the sense that there's, we're not above anybody. And at the same time, we're not beneath anybody either. When you look at people by the world standards that are ultimately successful, if they're born again, that same spirit of God that lives in you and I lives in them. And they're made of this earth, and they're made of dust just like you and me. There's nothing different. Maybe the gifts that God's given them and what they've done with their life, but if you get right down to it, we are not above and we are not beneath any of God's mankind creation. Next point with building with integrity is that we're not to overlook the weak areas in our lives, in our business, Right? We have a tendency sometimes, something will surface, something will show itself, but subtly. It won't be this glaring thing that we just know we've got to get rid of or we can't move past. It'll be something that's just kind of a little bit of a hindrance, but God reveals it to you. God shows it to you. He convicts you. You see it through your spiritual eyes based upon the revelation of the word that you've been reading, soaking in, or that you've been hearing. But if you just sort of set that thing aside and say, no, I can, that's not really going to affect anything that's going on. Don't look with your natural eyes. Understand and receive with your spiritual eyes what God is revealing to you because that thing is meant to be done away with at that moment if God's showing it to you at that time. See, I believe that sometimes God reveals things to us in seasons and before we see that, it's not necessarily that we're held accountable for taking authority over it and removing it. But once we understand that it's there, if we walk on past and try to keep going with that thing there, it's like an infected sore. It just festers and festers and gets worse. Right? I'm going to relate a lot of my analogies tonight to like the building process and construction and one of my backgrounds. And when, when they build a house, you know, a lot of times the floor is laid the, the subfloor and then they put the plywood down and the nails are spaced out right exactly in specific increments every 16 inches every eight inches right they're spread out and they're spaced out for exactly a reason because for that thing to maintain its integrity that's what they're the engineers are designing it to be but do you know like if they forget to put a nail in a place or maybe they skip it or two or close too close together over here and too far away or over there what happens after a few years in your house 
creak, right, creak, you start to hear that thing. Those things are going to be the creaks in your life if you don't get rid of them whenever God shows them to you. See, those guys, when they're doing that, maybe sometimes they miss it and don't realize it, but there's a lot of times that they know it and they just don't do anything about it. They just move past it. Oh, that isn't going to hurt nothing. Maybe not now, maybe not tomorrow, but five years from now, whenever I'm trying to sneak in my little girl's room and grab something out of there at midnight and that thing creaks and then she wakes up and then I'm stuck with a screaming baby, it's kind of a big deal, right? How many know that that creak will come at the most inconvenient times in your life? Will it not? You don't do away with that thing that God is revealing to you and showing to you and speaking to you and uncovering it for what it is and bringing it into the light. You are asking for trouble. That thing will gain power and it will gain momentum and it will come up and raise its head stronger later on down the road on you when you're not ready or prepared for it. Next point, building with integrity. It's not necessarily what's seen on the outside. It's what's what's unseen on the inside that supports it. See, when you look at a building or an interior, cosmetically, it's very attractive to the eyes if it's done right, if it's well put together. But how many know that that drywall, very fragile. You put your fist right through it, right? All the things that are decorating the place up, it's all fancy, it all looks good. But if you peel that stuff back and you've got rotten two-by-fours and you've got mold and you've got all kinds of problems, what happens? Just a matter of time for everything that looks so good on the outside, rots from the inside, and now you've got to do away with the whole, just tear that whole thing down. I heard a wise man say to me one time, as I'm thinking about, it's the things that really you think people don't see. It's easy to be disciplined whenever people are watching, when there's an audience. When it's just you, or just you and your family, or just you and God, it's a little bit different. I heard a wise man say to me one time, he said, I'll give you a test to see if you're really walking out a life of integrity. If there were a camera on you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, broadcast live to every person that's following you, every person that knows you, how would your life be if you went in and, and in front of all those people after just a couple of weeks or a month? That rocked my world, man. That's a sobering, sobering thought, isn't it? You know, in building, a lot of the, the materials have a certain degree of flexibility. They expand, they move a little bit, and they're intended to. It can't be totally 100% solid. Even concrete has uh, expansion joints so that it can expand whenever the earth is always shaking and stuff, you know. And so there has to be a certain degree of flexibility. We in our lives, as the people that we're called to be, wherever that is, we have to be flexible, but not too flexible. Right? Those things bend a little bit. They flex a little bit. Most of them you can't really even see that well when it's happening. But they do so that they can stretch and they, they can make everything work whenever there's friction and different things going on. But they're not so flexible that they can just bend all the way over. 
So you're to be flexible with people in your life. There are a lot of things that you can just let go. That really, at the end of the day, they don't go against the word. There's things that maybe are a big deal to you or to somebody else that you can just walk away from. And you can just let that lie and let it be. There are times when you cannot bend and when you cannot flex. And that's whenever anything that's going on that you're being asked to do or tempted to do and your spirit rises up and says, this defies the word that you know to be true. No matter what that is, whether it's a little white lie, whether it's saying the wrong thing to somebody, whether it's being judgmental, envious, any of those things, right? We can be flexible with people. We have to be to make our way through this world and to be able to, to influence people. We've got to be able to be flexible. But we can't be so flexible that we ever deviate from the convictions that we hold so dear to be true. A wise builder values hard work and attitude over experience and he values honesty over profit. Job 31.6 says, let me be weighed on honest scales that God may know my integrity. Proverbs 10.4, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Hard work Good attitude, honesty are valued and emphasized in the Bible from beginning to end by all our great heroes. And I think I have found in my years that people who have been around a long time have experienced a lot. But I don't want to say like experience is overrated, but I want to just put it in the proper perspective that Hard work and great attitude is to be valued very highly in anything that we're building and attracting people to help us build that we know is something significant that God has called us to do. I have found that hard workers that have a great attitude, they learn a lot very fast. They acquire the experience very quickly. And with the great attitude, they learn it well. A wise builder aims to build bridges with relationships, not barricades. They aim to leave a pathway open with all relationships that are began so that there can be an open road for any future travel. In the relationships that you build, are you investing the time and the energy and and the thought and the prayer that needs to go into that so that a meaningful connection, something that God can do is opened up through that, that even if God isn't leaving you in that place for that time, it's just for a moment, is that bridge built to where that path can travel back to you or you to that person later on down the road if they ever need you or you ever need to call on them? So wise builder understands that his greatest resource, asset, is people. And that people are the greatest investment that he can ever make. But with people, sometimes the requirements of leadership will defy the laws of productivity. Meaning, we understand what it means to be doing the most productive thing all the time, right? 
to grow a, a business or we got to be here with the kids and then here with the kids and then there and everything else, right? Efficiency, it's kind of ingrained in us. But sometimes if we're understanding that the, the people God has placed in our life really are our greatest asset when it comes to anything God is calling us to build, he always leaves room for other people to play a role in what he's calling you to do. He will never give you a purpose, a worthwhile thing that will be accomplished by you and you alone. And those people will sometimes need you to invest the time and the energy and the effort into listening to them or understanding what's going on or setting aside your agenda and just scratching off your schedule for the rest of the day or whatever it is that's going on and saying, this is what I'm in tune with what God's saying to me and this is where I need to be right now. By all profitability standards, this looks like a serious mistake. Right? By all the things that the kids got to do, this is going to be kind of an issue. This is going to throw a wrench in things. But in the framework of what God is trying to build, that place is exactly where you need to be at that moment. So you can tell a wise builder, I believe, one of the things at least, by the loyalty and the willingness of others to help them whenever there are things that they need to be done or just that they need somebody to be there great example is in first chronicles 11 16 through 18 it says david was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the philistines was then in bethlehem and david said with longing oh that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of bethlehem which is by the gate and the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David would not drink it, but poured it out to the Lord. David was just speaking. He was just saying, oh, man, I wish I could get a drink from that awesome well, you know, that's in Bethlehem. And these three mighty men, there was such loyalty. He had invested so much into them and understood you know, how to build them up into who God had called them to be. And he knew that God was using him as an instrument in their lives. And he was walking that thing out. And there was such loyalty and such devotion that was created as a result of those godly relationships that were established. That they walked, they, they snuck out and they went into enemy territory just to get him a drink of water and brought it back. And he said, I can't even drink that. I sacrificed this to the Lord. You can tell a wise builder and the way that they build in their relationships by that levelty of trust and devotion and just the sincerity of other people wanting to do what they can to help that individual or be a part of whatever it is that they can be a part of to help that person in their life. A wise builder understands that the true power to build up or tear down is in his words. James 3.10 says, out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. He understands, and this is a, you could do a whole subject on this, series on this. Pastor Rick has done many of them on the power of your words. But a wise builder understands that their words will build up or tear down whatever it is that they're trying to create, that God is trying to do through them. You can be doing the greatest job in the world just the basic mechanics of the project. But if you go out and you start basically discouraging your guys, your men, or the people that God has put in, your, in place to help you, and, and you don't help them see the, the, you know, 
the goodness of what they're doing and help them feel good about the job that they're putting forth, if you don't recognize those things, then all of a sudden the quality of the work can begin to deteriorate. Just like if you're put in a place where everything is a mess and you've got people and you start to build them up and you encourage them and you speak the words of truth and life into them that you know to be the case, that all of a sudden things can start turning around in a moment's notice for good. So some closing thoughts on the wise builder. Building with endurance finishing the race strong. I've ran into a lot of people that can go hard for a short spurt, but there's not a lot of folks that stand the test of time. And God's calling us to a lifetime of purpose. A wise builder understands that what he is building is going to be left behind for others and not just being built for him at that moment. And with that understanding and that awareness, it changes the way that you build. The Bible talks a lot about leaving an inheritance. It's interesting. It actually mentions the word inheritance in the Bible 213 times. Proverbs 13.22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. I believe that the inheritance that God is speaking of it's not just financial, but it's a, there's a spiritual inheritance. There's an example of integrity. There's a moral belief system that we build in our children. There is a whole life of inheritance that can be transferred down. But did you know that curses can be inherited too? Destruction and all those evil things that people get caught up in, that those can be inherited as well, just as much as blessings and great examples can. Perfect analogy is the, is the children of Israel, right? How many times over did they get off track of the Lord their God and start to worship idols and do just terrible, immoral things, and then all of a sudden their children began to inherit the curses and the effects of that? A wise builder understands that He is building an inheritance for those that will come after him and that it is not about what he's building for himself. And when you you think about you build a building, if you're just building something that you're going to stay in for a few years, you build it differently than if you're building it to stay up for your kids and for your grandkids, right? You build it differently. You look at it differently. You use different materials, all of that. We have to build in our life everything that we're building, our families, our careers, our relationships, everything with the understanding that it's not just about what we're building for ourselves while we're here on this earth, that what we build is going to be there after we're gone. The wise builder knows everything under the sun can and will change, but everything in the word, the rock, is constant. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Take this one all the way to the bank. There will never come a time, there's never been a time, from beginning of creation to the end of eternity, whatever that means, never be a time where anything about the word of God will change. But everything that you see right now before your natural eyes, everything, it's already changing right now.
it's deteriorating, it's fading away. A wise builder understands that everything under the sun can be taken away and places the, the level of value and significance on that that it deserves and realizes that everything in the word and on the rock will stand the test of time. This is one of the big ones. Building with endurance. The wise builder understands that it is God who gives and takes away. Job 121 says, Naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, it's awesome when we're building and God is bringing the increase and things are happening. But sometimes it's very difficult to be in a season where things are being tore down. But what if things that are being torn down aren't necessarily always attacks from the enemy on your life? What if in your pursuit of God and his will for you, in his divine, infinite wisdom and sovereignty, he is taking his tools and he is pulling down things in your life so that they can be built back up the proper way. I'll never forget, we were on a job one time, and uh, I was running this crew, and we were just going, 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 you know, putting this wall up, and with masonry, you build the corners up, and then you pull a line from corner to corner, and then you lay the units in the wall to the line. Well, when you've got a long wall, 50, 60 feet, that line can just vary a little bit with wind or sag, anything. And so it's gotta be really precise. Anyway, we took this wall up, I don't know, it was about 10 feet, and uh, we were on a break, and my dad shows up, he comes out, and he starts looking at this wall, and he's, yeah, he's looking at this thing, and he's like, we got to tear this thing down, and I'm like, tear it down, what do you mean, we just spent the whole six hours this morning putting that thing up, he's like, there is a huge bow right here in the middle of this wall, I, we, we can't sell that product. Now, it's interesting that from that point on, you know, because the bow had kind of worked itself back out, we could have taken that wall all the way up and finished that whole job. But he understood that that thing had to be tore down and started fresh so that that could be built all the way upright to the top straight. See, I'm here to tell you, and I believe God is really speaking this tonight to a lot of people. There's a lot of people that are misinterpreting some of the teardowns that are happening in their life. You think that it's an attack from the enemy. Some of those are true, but some it's not. God is miraculously and strategically tearing some things down in your life. I know I'm talking to somebody. He is tearing some things down. He is getting them back down to the right place so that he can help you build from that point forward, whatever he has intended for you to build so that it's a glorious thing worthy of honor to the Lord. I've watched people, relationships have to be torn down. They didn't seem terrible, but they really weren't great. But God had a lifetime of purpose in those things, and he had to tear them down. It looked like it was all this pain, all this collateral damage. 
And there might have been months, maybe even a few years of just some rebuilding. It looked like a huge step backwards with their natural eyes. But God brings that thing back around. He restores that relationship. He builds things into that as it's growing again that could have never been in there before if it would have continued on that same path. And it turns into the most amazing, beautiful kind of relationship. And the future is unlimited for what can happen and the fruit that can be bore out of that. Whereas before, it was limited because of the capacity that was there based on how it had been built from that point up. God has to tear some things down sometimes in order to build it up. We have to realize that that saves a lot of great tragedy in the end. And we have to trust God that he knows what he's doing in those seasons and thank him for another opportunity to do it right. I think of the example of Israel and how God allowed them to be conquered and he allowed them to be slaughtered off, but enough of them to survive for them to rebuild their nation, right? What, what, could God, what was left for God to do? They were on a path in the wrong direction. He couldn't just veer them back around. They were so far down that road that he had to let them be totally slaughtered, overrun, and conquered to get them in a place where they started crying out to God after years of bondage and slavery to bring them back to a place of, of worship to the Lord. And they, what did they do? They went and they rebuilt that temple and they rebuilt those walls and they started a nation and then a Messiah came, right? God allows things to be tore down so that they can be built up the way that they're supposed to be built up. A wise builder does not get frustrated with the outcomes that are happening each and every day when he knows that he's doing things right. He has a proper understanding of the fact that God's timing is beyond our ability to understand and comprehend. That's interesting. He understands that he can't understand God's timing. But it's true, right? You know, I talk to a lot of people a lot of times, and they're doing the right thing, and then this level of frustration sets in. And it's like, man, I just can't get them to see. I just can't get this thing to turn around. I just, I, I, I just can't stay in this job any longer, you know? It's just the people around me, I mean, I try to stay strong. I try to, you know, speak against things. I try to do what I'm doing, but, man, I just, it's just not working. You know, I just got to get out of there. You know, God showed me a picture one time when I was thinking about this. And uh, back to the construction examples, you know, being in masonry, one of the things that we did a lot of was we built with stone. And it always fascinated me when we built with stone because you got a chance to take a glimpse back into the history of really what, you know, started at masonry. And stone cutters were some of the most amazing, uh, you know, craftsmen ever. And when you cut a piece of stone, you've got this big rock, okay, and you've got these chisels that have these carbide blades and these giant, these little sledgehammers, and you've got to hit that, you score a line all the way around that, and you hit it, and you hit it. You might hit it a hundred times, and then all of a sudden, one of those hits, boom, clean break, right where you want it to be. And then you face that thing off, and you clean it with another chisel. And God showed me, he said, you know, there's frustrations that people have, and then I go through too. He said, you know, it's kind of like every time you do good, you're, you're, you're making another strike on that rock. And when you hit it on that hundredth time and it breaks perfectly as it's supposed to, it almost looks like it was the, the one hundredth hit in that alone that did it. But do you realize 
that it was really the 99 along the way that, that fractured internally where you couldn't see and created that break. So that hundredth really didn't do anything at all except just complete the process that had been going on for all that time. See, when you're, when you're out there in the world and you're, you're doing what you do with people every day and you're just being who God has called you to be, you are striking that rock over and over and over again. And look, if you don't see that thing break in front of you, so what? So what? You might not even be the person that hits it the hundredth time. You've got to be okay with that. If you're going to be a wise builder and you're going to build with endurance for the long haul, you've got to be okay with that. So in closing, we are all building every day. We really are. I hope we've got that perspective. What are you building? Is it a godly life worthy of lasting influence? Or is it a life marked by broken bridges, crumbled walls, and scarred relationships? If we don't realize that we're building things, we have a tendency to go through and just tear things up along the way in our path. Not realizing we're in a, a, a construction zone that we're trying to build a finished product and thinking we're just in a pile of rubble and we just kick things out of the way and it doesn't really matter where it goes. We're building a life that we will one day present before God himself and be judged by. You're building a lot of things. That house on the rock, it's a lot of things. It's your business, it's your family, it's your relationships, it's your church, it's a lot of things. But ultimately, it's your life. And that house that you're building, you build it on the rock, you'll be able to present it to God one day and you'll be able to be judged and he'll be proud of you and he'll say, well done. You know, buildings get inspected before occupancy is granted, right? It's interesting that you have an opportunity to go back and redo something that maybe isn't up to code or isn't right. You can't do life over. Time is gone the very moment it passes, never to be gotten again. You can't do life over. When you get to heaven, what you come with, baby, is what you got. What is the life that you're building? Don't let that come across as, as condemnation. I, I pray that that thing comes across as a renewed awareness and a refreshness, that refreshing rain that comes, that purifies, that says you're, you're building on the rock from here on out and that God is doing a work. He's purifying, he's cleansing, and he is, there's maybe being some damage being done but he is getting you in position where you can stand firm and stay strong when all the tests and trials that are gonna come along in the next 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, 70, 80 years of your life are gonna happen. You better start building on the rock right now because every day you've got from here on out is a day that you can build on solid foundation and build a life presentable to God. You know, I think there are really about three different types of people. There are people that, are really living this out, that have got this revelation and this understanding. There are people that they're doing it, but they could do better. They know it. They could do better. But this is, this is where my burden is. This is where my heart is in this whole thing tonight. It's the people that have been building and living recklessly. That up until this point, have put no thought or care into the fact that they've been building a life 
that they're going to present to God one day. And that they've been building things whether they realized it or not. And as they turn and they look back, they don't like what they see. And I just want to say to you tonight, God is an amazing God. And he can wash all of that away. Now I believe God is saying, he will forgive you. He will restore you. He will allow you to plant your feet firmly on the rock and begin building again. But you may have to restore some things. You may, you may have to go get forgiveness from somebody else still too. You may have to go restore an area of betrayal that you've created. You may have to go repair somebody that you've said a discouraging word to. God forgives you, God restores you, and God makes things right the moment you come with a repentful heart. But we still have to walk out the consequences of things that we've done and make them right. Some of us, there's people that we need to go to right after this evening or tomorrow and just make those things right. Just restore them right back to where... They need to be. And let God use you to do that the way that he wants to. You know, as you build upon the rock, there will be a spirit of peace that will be all over your life. And I love that feeling of peace. You know, there's challenges and, and things that happen, but, you know, standing on the rock, I'm not going to fall off. God is right there holding me up. That spirit of peace, just like in the, in the armor of God, the sandals are the gospel of peace. And the soldiers in Israel, they had spikes on the bottom of their sandals so that they could keep their footing, stay planted. Sandals are the gospel of peace, the word, the rock. The peace is the overflow that's produced and manifest in our life as a result of building our life on the rock.